0: Listener Production. I acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and I pay my respects to their ancestors past and their elders present. I acknowledge that the First Nations across the continent have never ceded sovereignty and that the First Nations are the first lawmakers.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Black Matters. This is a podcast about First Nations matters and most importantly, why they matter. My name is MC from the Hit Radio Network. Joining me as she does every single week, First Nations advocate, friend of over... Is it 25? I think it's... I keep saying over 20 years. It's longer than that, right?
0: It's absolutely longer than oh, that. Scary? It's like 27 plus. Oh! You've been yeah, part of my life for too long.
1: <laughs> and she's still putting up with me, Teela Reed. As always, it is an honour and a pleasure to share this space with you and have these yarns each and every week.
0: Awesome to be here.
1: Now, if you're joining us for the first time on Black Matters, you're going, Who are these two? Why do they spell it B-L-A-K? That doesn't make sense to me. It's okay. We clear it all up. Go back and check out our podcast trailer, Who We Are and Why Black Matters. Now, last week we spoke with lawyer, researcher, lecturer. He's done it all at Griffith Law School and proud Wamba First Nations man, Eddie who who is joining us again on the podcast this week. He must have must have thought we were all right, Till, if he's agreed to do. So, a,
0: thanks two for weeks coming in a row. back, yeah. Eddie. Thank
2: you, Eddie. We appreciate it, mate. I don't know if we're going to be talking about how old we all are, though. If we're yeah. knowing each other yeah, you know, people. It's <laughs> been coming up.
1: <laughs> no, we're
0: been, just we're honestly just embracing our aging millennial years. You are, I'm
1: not. As, so.
0: as, as first-time referendum voted. That's true.
1: That's mm, true. Yes. Now, On New the one. episode last week, we spoke a lot about misinformation, disinformation in relation to First Nations peoples in this country. If you missed it. Go back and check out the episode, because that's going to give this conversation a lot more context as to why we're doing it this week. Now, Eddie, we want to break down, because when it comes to misinformation, disinformation, narratives that might not quite be true, they are everywhere at the moment in regards to this referendum and enshrining a First Nations voice in the Constitution. So what we thought we would do is just go through some of the common misconceptions false claims and questions that are being asked in regards to the voice, because a lot of people are are terrified that it's going to do too much and they're going to take our land back. There are others that think it's not actually going to do anything and what's the point? So I, I thought we could just explain what the voice actually is and what it is we are voting yes or no to in this
2: referendum. At its most simplest, the voice is recognition, through a representative body for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to have a say on the issues that matter to them. And that recognition is based on the fact that we are the first peoples of this country, and that means something. It means we have particular rights, issues and interests that are impacted uh, differently to other Australians when the government makes decisions. And also the fact that too many of our people continue to suffer in entrenched inequality and disadvantage because of the way our people have been treated in this nation's history.
0: Oi, Eddie, I have, um, because you're a lawyer, right? I'm a lawyer. Oh, we're not going to get deep I into legal chat, are we? No, <laughs> I have a little bit of a um, question back at Michael here, being the white fella um, on the podcast, and he has no idea this question is coming. But look, <laughs> we're talking about the Constitution. It really is... White Australia's document. Michael, have you ever read
1: the Constitution? Well, this is an easy question to answer. No. All right. Well, look.
0: No. Well, I have a copy today for you.
1: Oh, no. Please don't tell me this entire episode's going to be me reading no, through the Constitution. No, I but
0: I really want, because we're going to talk about this, and Eddie mm. has given a crystal clear explanation of how simplistic the voice mm-hmm. is a simply recognition through a representative body. We spoke about all the misinformation and disinformation last week, but look at the size of this thing. The argument, the you debate. You're giving me homework. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what's your thoughts?
1: On this that On, you've given me now. So
0: because some people, when, when you speak about it, they're like, it must be this enormous document that has so much detail in it okay. that is it's about, pages and pages long. So describe the, it. it. It's
1: about the size of a small diary it is 77 there's even, pages. There's
2: even an interactive version online. I love that. Oh, the if kids you, will get involved. The Parliamentary Education Office has an interactive version where you can hover over it and it explains details to you so you don't have to read it either. Yes. Good, Because I haven't read a book since
1: Year 12 and I only did that because I was forced to by the teacher.
0: Well, I think it's important to, for you to actually context. Context. look at that because it gives context, I think, to this, explosion of a debate that actually has blown out into something that really so much of our nation at the moment is Drowning in misinformation and disinformation. So when you look at that document, it's actually very simple.
1: When you said, I've got one here for you, I thought you were going to have to get a couple (laughs) of other staff members to all carry it in and dump it on a page. But it's actually not that big. It's actually not that big. And Eddie, correct me if I'm wrong. The reason why we're voting on having a voice enshrined in the Constitution as opposed to treaty before voice is because once it's in the Constitution, It stays there. It's voted by the people. It's for the people as opposed to a treaty, for example, that can be changed if the government changes and they decide we don't like that treaty from a former government. That's why we're taking this path. Doesn't mean treaty can't come. Yeah, exactly. But that's why we're doing it this way.
2: Yeah, you get the principle and the power for the voice to exist in the constitution, which is exactly how the constitution works. It's how parliament's set up. It's how the high court's set up. It's how the taxation power works, everything else in there. And then it's up to parliament to implement the legislation. And treaty in this country, we've already seen it uh, in South Australia where it was started and ripped up and and now there's a Labor government in again uh, going ahead in Victoria and Queensland as well, but they will only ever be pieces of legislation.
0: And Eddie hit the nail on the head. He did. He said, and he's the constitutional lawyer on the panel, it is a document of principle. If you think about all the things within which parliament can legislate for, I think people's minds are sometimes blown at actually how thin and small the Constitution itself is.
1: And there's all this beat up about you, this tiny book. Mm. Yep. I think most of the questions we're going to ask you, these answers will be straightforward, but these are genuine questions that are being asked and genuine mm-hmm. concerns. So firstly, you've kind of already answered this, but The Voice will be able to consult on everything, even parking tickets. This, this is a question that well, someone has had.
2: It misses the entire point because the voice will speak about matters that direct relately to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and matters that relate to us in some indirect way that affect all Australians. So if there was some situation where parking tickets were relevant and that was important to the community, then that should be up to the community. But really it's not. Look at the issues that impact our community. Look at the things that are going on. For the voice to be meaningful and to have relevance, it's the, you know the relevance of its representations are going to be key. This whole point of this exercise is to have an independent voice for our community to be able to speak on the things that matter to it. That is what has been missing. It's always been the process where government has been able to control what our communities say or what is elevated onto the national platform, and this is about shutting that down. So it's not, you know, there is nothing to be afraid of here. People are going to be running around and, you know, one of the other ones from parking tickets is nuclear submarines. (laughs) But the thing with that is if the government wants to build a nuclear waste dump in your backyard on your traditional country, then nuclear submarines are going to be relevant to you. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, focusing on the, the, the end point or the topics misses the entire point that this is about our community having an independent voice, being able to speak about what's relevant to it and if Taylor and I you know, or others were elected to the voice and we were running around talking about things that our community doesn't want us to talk about then we'd be held accountable to that voice that's the whole point but there's going to be more accountability measures and mechanisms in this than there actually are in parliament which i find a bit of irony in that as well all right next misconception next question in regards to the voice the voice will slow
1: down the democratic process jam up the high court and essentially make lawyers
2: a lot of money it just it's just not possible it's not going to be any more different than what it is at the moment. Administrative review of other government decisions already take up a lot of the court's business. That's what the courts are there for. But there is nothing in the voice amendment in the Constitution that enables us to actually be able to do that. So there's a lot of fear-mongering scare campaign from people saying that, you know, this is basically going to stop government in its tracks. It's not. A lot of work from the nations of leading constitutional lawyers and scholars have gone into this amendment Brett Walker SC described the idea that it would hold up government and bring all these court cases up as too silly for words. Not only himself, um, Mary Gordon, who's a former High Court Justice, just came out yesterday, Robert French... Ken Hayne, all of the nation's leading scholars. It's just not going to happen.
0: And my Nothing's opinion, going to change. yeah, and you're so right, Eddie. And these scholars coming out now, they are so credible and reliable in their information. Like these are the people the community needs to be listening to. And one of the extraordinary pieces of misinformation, actually disinformation in this, is some argument that it's got to, clog up the high court like Mm. it's so profoundly dishonest in my view to run around Australia saying that because every Australian whether or not you are Indigenous or not Indigenous have the same right to access the high court and you know there there are processes to get there not every matter gets to the high court.
1: The Voice won't provide any different outcomes for First Nations peoples than what we have right now.
2: So I've got two answers on this, and it depends who's making that argument, and that's not disingenuous. So for mob making this argument, I think this is a much more credible argument because it comes from a real place of being scorned and Mm -hmm. beaten down by government over and over again. And so it is very hard for our community to understand um, how a system that fails us over and over can be reformed and
0: yeah, can and I love that you validate that because that's really important for mob to feel heard and validated mm. by the legacy of yep. past governments that have really dishonored so many of their promises.
2: No, it is it's very important and for me we can't do this without without our community. Otherwise, you know, if our community doesn't support this and doesn't want this, then there's no point in doing this. As a constitutional lawyer, as someone that's been involved in this process, I do genuinely believe that the voice as a permanent constitutional institution will make a difference. Its power will be or its authority will be as a political institution. So it's not going to have the power to pass laws or to stop laws. That's impossible under our constitutional system without changing it more fundamentally, in which there's no political will to be able to do so because it's parliament that is the body that does that. But having this body that can't just be erased or removed when the government's not happy with it, that actually forces them to sit at the table and negotiate a relationship with us, and that is also able to use other avenues to be able to amplify our voices and bring accountability and transparency to government decision-making. So many of the things that happen are just swept under the carpet or they happen at the lower levels where bureaucrats are making decisions in the regions and they just go on never seeing the you know light of day, never being spoken about, never being heard about. This process as being able to amplify our voices onto the national political agenda and have a direct say into decisions, I truly do believe will change the culture and power of decision-making and ensure that better decisions are being made. I think there's a lot of others that have all of a sudden become concerned about practical outcomes for Indigenous people that have never been concerned about it again before in their lifetimes. And I think we need to be able to differentiate between the concerns that come from people in our community and some of our allies that work in this space as well and that have been working towards betterment of our people for a long time that do have concerns about being able to reform a system that does fail us. And and I believe this is a pragmatic approach for us to be able to do that and achieve some of the other things that we want to be able to achieve. But others making this argument, I think, again, some critical reflection on, you know, where have they been for the last 50 years with Head in their the concern. sand, I would mm-hmm. say.
1: This is certainly one that, that I've heard a little bit and speaks to, to, to what you were just talking about, that the people who make up the voice won't represent the wider First Nations community, those that are living out on country, that are not as connected to what's happening in mainstream politics and conversations as
2: others. So there's a couple of things here. Some people are pointing to a model that doesn't exist, which is the, comes from the Langton and Carmel report under the last government. It's a recommended model only that was developed by the Morrison government that didn't consider constitutional enshrinement or the of Statement from the heart. So this current process and this current government, at least when they released the question and the amendment, released a set of design principles. And those design principles are very clearly, uh, there's eight or nine of them, I believe, um, from off the top of my head, that are designed on the local community themselves according to their local wishes and needs, developing the voice to fit them and choosing their representatives. Uh, So that doesn't stop a government in the future from coming in and tweaking it and changing it and the development of the model. But that's also one of the benefits and the positive of the voice model. You know, I, I don't believe it'll work straight away overnight. Like any piece of legislation or new body that's established, it'll have to be amended and changed as we go. And that's the flexibility that the legislative part brings with it where Parliament is able to do that. But the intention, as it had always been from the regional dialogues that led to the Uluru Stone from the Heart, and and Teela participated in these, so she'd be able to speak to it much better than myself. But our community wants independent representation that speaks for their local community and their local needs. And I can't think of anyone genuinely involved in this space that that isn't the intended target and goal and why those design principles were developed to be able to fit that.
0: Yeah, I agree with Eddie. The argument which is it's just going to be a Canberra voice. voice, It is so far from the reality of what First Nations peoples need and want in local communities. Like, I don't know any First Nations person off the back of my head that actually wants to go to Canberra and be a politician Mm. and be part of that kind of parliamentary process. So many of our people, whether they're young, old, elders, they actually want to really stay in community and have a thriving life on country. And so I think this is such an important point that Eddie is making here in relation to that because traditionally, yes, we have these political parties that have played an important role in our democracy, but they're bound by their party ideology. That's the reality. They are. And so many First Nations people spoke to the fact that they love their communities. There are so many strengths in their communities and only if Parliament listened, then perhaps Mm. we could get better results.
1: The referendum puts race in the constitution.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yes. Well, race is already in the constitution. And I'm sorry to inform all Australians that the constitution is racist. It was written by a bunch of racists for a racist country that shouldn't be denied or challenged anymore. The white Australia policy and the attitudes of the white Australia policy ruled when, when our constitution was written. The race power, which was amended in 1967 to enable the Commonwealth to make laws for Indigenous people uh, was originally inserted in the constitution so that we could keep what they called colored people out at the time. So to work with the immigration and aliens power. So Australia was to be a white, white man's country. Um, they had a, a, an attitude towards us and policies towards us indigenous people that we would be dying out. And they forgave themselves or said they weren't responsible for that because we were just an inferior race that come into contact with a superior race. So my nan was born in 1930, she's 93 this year, there was a meeting of the national protectors responsible for Indigenous peoples in 1937, so seven years after she was born, that agreed that our future lied in our ultimate absorption and that policies should be put in place to that end. So that included controlling marriage so that we wouldn't marry and have children with one another and grow our numbers and also, um, you know, reserving what you know, they turned full bloods into reserve, so that they could be studied and die out. And so that is the foundation of the Constitution. It's why we were excluded and left to the states. And it's why the only mechanism for the Commonwealth to deal with us these days is the race power at the Commonwealth level. And so when it comes to the voice, the voice is based on recognition of us as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, not as a race. So it means we are political and cultural groups that have rights, that are recognised in international law and domestic law, whether it be native title, cultural heritage, any manner of issue that comes up in that space. But also dealing with that historical legacy of the negative treatment towards us. Um, so no way should it be considered by anyone that the positive recognition of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people is race-based or racist in any way. And especially when we think of and consider the history that we're dealing with here, is that a constitution that you know that was written and established on the basis of race itself?
1: And finally, the voice is just the first step to forcing a treaty.
2: Well, treaty is already happening. Treaties happening in Victoria, treaties happening in uh, Queensland, treaties happening in South Australia. Well, the voice established there, it's been happening in the Northern Territory. Uh, if we're talking about the Uluru Statement from the Heart, where the ask comes from for a voice to empower our people, so structural changes through a voice, and then a Makarata Commission to supervise agreement-making and truth-telling. Um, so in some ways you can say, yes, there is a sequence process, that is correct, but the voice also establishes and stands separate to that entire process. And so the thing, again, I remind people of what is wrong with entering into an agreement with Indigenous peoples to enforce and protect and extend the rule of law to our rights and interests. It is the one thing that separates us from most other places in the world that after 235 years, we continue to deny and ignore the existence of Indigenous peoples and our rights. And basically... And what that amounts to is continuing the myth that this nation was founded on, that terra nullius or the idea that we were inferior and that we didn't exist and that this land belonged to no one and there was no one here and that they didn't have to do anything about it. So agreement-making and treaty-telling and truth-telling is happening. It's coming. It's already happening now. The states have been leading the way where the Commonwealth kind of dragged their feet on this. And whether the voice gets up or not, That might make that a bit harder considering reconciliation and the relationships there, but it's going to push ahead at the state level anyway.
1: Tila, I think if this yarn can teach you anything listening along, it's that you absolutely cannot believe everything you read and everything you hear, and it's just so important. We talk about this on the podcast almost weekly. When you get to that ballot box later this year, whatever you want to vote on, whether it's yes, whether it's no, that's your decision and your decision only, but just do your research and make sure that decision is an informed
0: decision. And be critical about social media and the narratives that are told about First Nations peoples. If they're not narratives from us as First Nations peoples, then they're probably not credible when it comes to trying to derail this really significant movement. And I thought Eddie really summed it up. I'm mind blown at the fact that there is now some kind of Descent on treating when it's already happening and suddenly that's become a scary issue like hello look at the rest of the world can we not get so myopic about that it brings us to a really fundamental point where eddie was kind of leading to which was if you don't know where to start come back and read the uluru statement mm-hmm. from the heart and we're gonna have some more chats about that in the upcoming weeks, because I think that is the invitation.
2: Yeah, we say it often. That's why the Uluru Sand from the Heart was issued to the Australian people, not given to politicians so mm. it can hang on the walls of parliament or anything again. And it goes back to our conversation on the previous episode about authority the Australian people have to change the constitution. It's a conversation with you, not with Anthony Albanese or Peter Dutton or any of them. It's unfortunate. Politicians have had to get, <laughs> get involved at mm. all. But there's a real responsibility and opportunity for us as Australians to to respond to that invitation and to do something positive here for the future of our nation. I was about so, to ask thank in, in closing:
1: Is there one takeaway you've got to the person listening to this conversation right now? But is that it? Is 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 that the takeaway
2: well, in well, regards yeah, to the I, referendum? I, I've got lots. <laughs> 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 um, you know, you, use your voice to ensure our voice is heard. All that kind of stuff. But no, absolutely. Um, we we really have. I think we said at the start here. You know, the three of us. This will be our first referendum that we vote yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Um. But just think of the momentous occasion before us. That's not just the last thirteen years in the making, but it's two hundred and thirty-five years in the making of the relationship of this country. That we right now in our generation actually have the power and the ability, and I would say responsibility, to do something about that and actually correct something. Uh, that should have been corrected a long time ago, but actually do something substantive and practical at the same time by ensuring that our voices are heard when decisions are being made about us. And whether we agree on all of the other things in between it or the nature of the relationship, this will at least give us the mechanism to be able to have a relationship. Otherwise we just bury our heads in the sand again and kick it down the line. And I don't want my children to have to come on to a podcast, although, you know, happy if they do in the future if podcasts exist but have to, you know, be fighting for this in 30 years' time. They should be 30 years into a new relationship and developing new solutions and working towards a better Australia rather than having to argue and fight for the basic dignity of the recognition of our people. We like
1: to finish every single episode here at Black Matters with a First Nations word because we believe that language matters. Uh, Eddie, you gave us one last week. Who wants to give us one this week? Have you got another one, Ed, or or Teela? Do you want to jump in?
2: Well, I had had that whole list from last week. They were all the Kouroumoura and Kururu. Um, there's another one that's Kauroramaru about um, whinging, so I do that a fair bit as <laughs> well. But again, it goes back to that thing I think about, like that feeling and the connection and the connection to the country that is established for it, and the closest of those words. And I don't know if I could impress upon people just how important this is. And that, to me, I feel that when I talk about those words and that language and my family and where we're from, like this, this is just such a key moment in our history that we just can't allow to step away from us and to be able to celebrate things it's like an exciting moment it's exciting yeah, yeah and it's to celebrate the moment. things that we can even talk about yeah. the first nations language on a show like this like we just have this amazing i don't want to just say resource because it just kind of treats it like a material thing but this it is an amazing resource in this nation for us that just have this fantastic relationship and Arnie pat is co-chair of the uluru dialogue she you know she's said a couple of times like don't they want to know us. Why, why wouldn't they want to be part of this and celebrate this with us? And, um, you know, so when you ask a question about, you know, language and words, for me, that's all built up and piled up in that as well. Just imagine the relationship we can have rather than being stuck in the one that we do have.
0: And imagine all the different first languages of the first peoples and the opportunities that lay ahead the prospects of what this can bring for our nation um, when we have really mandated as the people that we are here and we are ready to listen to all of those different First Nations voices.
1: Eddie, it has been an absolute pleasure. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast. If people want to find you, if they want to f- see what you're doing, what you're up to, you're a very switched on bloke. you oh, he's and, working
2: and,
0: very yeah. hard overtime Ooh on boy. this. All right, where, where
2: can we find you if, if, if people want to suss out what you're doing, what you're up to? Uh, my normal line is that I'm terminally online. So um, you can find me at Eddie Sinnott on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, my email's all over there. We
1: appreciate you coming on the podcast, mate. You're an absolute legend. Don't forget there's a bunch more episodes of Black Matters for you to check out as well. Why we do acknowledgements of country, the history of treaty and the voice, the back catalogue, it's there. And if you really like listening to us at Black Matters, we hope you're telling your mates, telling your family about it, and you want to hear and support Australia's diverse, contemporary First Nations music. We've created an entire radio station dedicated to... To just that so download the listener app and just search indigenous teela thank you yalu
0: oh.